G'day and welcome to Uplift. Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. If you like me getting older, come and join us on this beautiful episode of Uplift today. We have got Stephen Hobbs joining us. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to Uplift, wherever you are joining us, whether it be live or in replay. No, we appreciate you. My name's Sarah Wade. I am your co-host, art therapist, coach, and amazing human, you know, as you do. <laughs> We've got an amazing, amazing podcast today. We're talking about solar aging, but a bit about that more in a minute. Now, my, my usual co-host joining us for our first season of the year. Hey, welcome. Welcome back, Mr. Neil Russell. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really excited that uh, it's our, this will be our, I believe our third season together. We've done, this is like 60 episodes together and we still love and respect each other. So this is, this is great and this is that our start of our third season. Um, as Sarah said, my name is Neil Thrussell. I'm an author, heart set, mindset coach, and I'm super excited to, in, to have my friends, Stephen Hobbs here from Wealth Movement, who's just, he's in Alberta. He's just a couple, couple, like 50 kilometers away from me. And it's just, I haven't seen him in years and he's only been 50 kilometers away. It's like, this is not good. Welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you, Neil. <laughs> Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks So, what is solo aging? What is solo aging? Yeah. Well, uh, if you pop into the world of aging, which is uh, sort of a way of looking at that dash between our entry year and our exit year, and uh, something happens to that dash, and uh, that's life, and there's an element of aging that goes with that, but there are some who travel that dash alone, in a sense, because they don't have family um, around them or the family is quite far away from them or because of circumstances of living their life, they are traveling pretty well by themselves. And that's the solo aspect of aging. So they're dealing with that dash in a solo way. Yeah. I, I don't know what kind of statistics that you came up with or, or have, but I did a, a, a premiere, I mean, a preview of it, and I was shocked that it, it's like, uh, well, I can't remember the statistic now, but it's like 20% of those over 60 years old are living by themselves and aging. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is a heck of a lot of us. Um to, to be dinner. So what are some of the things that a solo ager is facing in today's world? 
Well, and from a statistic point of view, they talk about 26 million in the United States. So you might say 3 million in Canada. You, again, you can play with the numbers uh, accordingly. But to your point, it is growing. And what's really starting to become evident is this notion there's loneliness and isolation is one aspect. You're solo. You might slip into that loneliness, isolation uh, way of doing things. You also sometimes have this uh, loss of community, uh, lack of purpose sort of wells up in you. And uh, part of that is because you sort of are not in contact on a daily basis with, uh, with persons. And so that sort of weaves out into um activities you might lessen your activities like i'm a great outdoors person so lessen going outside and walking and doing those kind of things so it catches up to you physically mentally emotionally and even into some of that soul spiritual aspect so that's just a bit of a highlight at the moment so there's also the financial considerations. There's also when when you're at the end of the dash, how do you sort out how, so you really have to be, well, you don't have to be, but I suspect it forces a person to be a little more cognizant of the end to, to make sure that the end of life is looked after. Oh, for sure. And and that pops out in terms of the, the economics, the political, because there's a regulatory aspect to that. We can use a word like legal, right? And there's things like living wills and wills and legacy letters, things like this that you have to think about. And a lot of people haven't really sort of put that through. <laughs> and that sort of catches up to them a little bit later to, uh, to what you're sharing. But I think there's a, another aspect that creeps in is this notion of the environment. And I'm using it in the broadest sense, but then bringing it down into what kind of home have you created for yourself? Where are you going to live? Are you going to age in place? Are you going to age with uh, going into a community? Like I'm looking at maybe something like a tiny home here. Why not give it a go and see what happens if I can continue to age in a tiny home? These are things to be thinking about and don't leave it to the end. That's one of the things that I'm learning as I'm going, because just to put things in perspective, I'm in my 70th revolution of the sun. So I'm thinking a little bit more about these kind of things now. So, so Give a definition of a tiny home for those that I know tiny homes are popular right now in North America. I don't know if tiny homes are popular in, in, in uh, Australia right now. So what would you give as a definition, Stephen, for a tiny home? Well, it's some people might say it's half the size of a cargo ship container. Okay. But it may be layered. There's a couple of stories. Some might say it's a cargo ship. Uh, container size, right? Depending on the veranda you put with it. Um, it's a little bit bigger than just a, an ordinary trailer that I remember we used to pull around, but it's not like the, uh, those big luxury, luxury trailers, things like that. There's a, a little bit more, but it's, I like to think it's more than the woodshed. 
<laughs> yeah. So it it's also it's a self-contained unit, so it has yeah. all of the, your amenities. Or if it doesn't, then wherever you're located, it's close in proximity to the showers and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's really well, a self-contained I... unit. Well, on Facebook, all of a sudden, they must know that I'm looking for a tiny home. So I'm getting all the different kinds of designs of tiny homes is coming through. So I'm going, oh, that's kind of an interesting design. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. And, you know, so, hey, it's there. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, how we can adapt to our, our lives to our homes or our, or our homes to our lives. I love that you've brought up about downsizing as we age and moving on. It's something that I think a lot of people kind of forget about. You know, and you mentioned before putting wills in place and things like that. And again, you know, we're all going to die. But it feels like a lot of people kind of forget about that. And yes, we, we want to kind of put it off and live a beautiful life as long as possible. What's one of those things that you've noticed that can help people or, or maybe to, is it needing help to understand that the end is nigh or what, what sort of term would you use, Stephen? Well, I'm, I'm going to use myself as a little bit of an example because back in my um, early 60s, I sold my three-bedroom home, gave everything I owned away. I had like about 5,000 books, and I gave those all away. I gave my canoe away, I, everything, and I, I got it down into these uh, rubber plastic containers, and then I took them apart after storing those, and then I've taken them apart. So I'm actually what I call a gray digital nomad. And what I do is I house sit, dog walk, and find different places in which to live. And I've only got, what have I got around me now? I think I've got um, 15 of those boxes, but some of them, you know, carry... Um, cutlery and dishes and things like that some of them are books i've written so i don't necessarily want to get rid of them at the moment but um i think what i'm getting at it's a process that actually takes a bit of time and don't let it creep up on you at the end i know um, a friend of mine went and helped out someone who has hoarded years and years and years of material that they have to go through now to try and figure out what's there and what's not there. So my my suggestion is think about it earlier than later and work through what really does give you meaning and what is it that someone else could use that belong to you. I don't know how to tell you this, Stephen, but I think you're now a white-haired nomad digital nomad i don't see any gray in that beard <laughs> every once I'm in a while on the gray-haired nomad a digital <laughs> nomad you you've you've it's a beautiful beard you've got the the, the great white beard going on well thank you yeah. yeah next year i'm going to apply for a job in december so i'll see what happens oh oh that would be wonderful with your with your kind hearted and just calm demeanor, you'd make a wonderful uh, person that, in the red suit at that time of year. There you go. There you go. Well, one yeah. one holiday season, I actually played the elf, which was a little bit different because um, I didn't mention to Sarah, but Sarah, I'm six foot seven, 
okay? <gasps> oh, wow. And so the size of the elf compared to Santa was a bit of a, a bit of a funny <laughs> at the time, so. It's one of those rare giant elves, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember when, like, when, when my dad was um, going through his latest stages, you know, he had pancreatic cancer. It took him two, two years to actually go from the, um, you know, diagnosis to the end. And he lived on a huge property um, and he had like 70 cars, I think, you know, we had to figure out what to do with them, had all the parts that went with it, plus everything else that went in the house. And I know that the experience of going through your own stuff, like for, for me, like going through my stuff and trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do with it can be hard. It's enlisting the help of others ideal to go forward to help you to sort of trickle down so that you are tiny house capable and ready to, to just do what you want to be that digital nomad in your case? Are you suggesting a, a checklist or something like that? Yeah, like I'm, I'm like I'm not sure. I'm forty. You know, I'm not. In, I'm not a separatarian. Like, what are those things that I would need to put in place? Like, is it asking for help? Is it is it in the form of a checklist, or you know, physically having someone body double with you to get to that stage? Like, what what are your thoughts? Well, I think the best way to lean into this is to ask. And there mm -hmm. actually, what's beautiful is there's more. Uh, places where you can go and ask those who are solo aging about the checklists and the legal aspects and what do I have to do to be able to write what I call legacy letters or, or even mm -hmm. memoirs, things like that. But really it comes down to the ask. And you see, from a solo aging point of view, because you're living solo, asking others sometimes feels like it's a bit of a hill to climb, which is unfortunate. And I almost slipped into that. So Sarah, what I would suggest is, hang on a minute, I've got to ask others who are living this lifestyle about tiny homes, about uh, living wills. I've got to ask, ask, ask. And the great thing is now we've got the internet, so you can do searches around, you know, um, living wills, Calgary, Living Wills, Perth, Living Wills, you know, you can do these kind of things. And then eventually what will happen is you will create your own checklist. And from there, I, I think of it as sort of a, a, um, a preparation checklist. And I put preparation in front of it to prepare for, right? And then what I tell people is walk around with your uh, prevention backpack, right? It's, it's metaphoric, but you've got to learn to carry with you, know how to carry with you what's important. So my prevention backpack in this case is one of those waste packs where I've got my most important documents. And so it's what I grab if I ever walk out the door and I want to leave everything else behind. It's all in one little place. So which makes sense even for those people even for the 20 year olds, even for what well, doesn't matter which age group you're with, whether you believe in global warming or not, or whatever your leaning is, the, the temperatures in the earth are doing something. And we've had more fires, more rain, more ice storms. So we've had more natural disasters currently, or we're more aware of them 
So at any time, you could be asked to leave the comfort of your abode and you need to be, be able to take something, the grab bag, whether it's your insurance policies, it's your cat, your pet, your goldfish, whatever it is, you need to be able to quickly grab your your what's, what's precious to you and exit. Yep. Well, actually, to that point, Anil, at the front door is my coat and gloves, my uh, this uh, little knapsack that I have, my extra pair of shoes are sitting right there at the front door. So if I had to exit, I would have enough to walk out into minus 30 degrees weather and be okay. Minus 30 degrees Celsius weather. Yeah. So to that point, I agree. And yeah, folks, <laughs> folks, start earlier with this. Start thinking about what that dash means to you. And I went so far as to say I'm going to add as many dashes in there as I can between that entry and that exit year. And in there is do a lot of preparation, a lot of prevention. Um, what do you mean, um, death? Sorry, I, I've, I've lost you. What do you mean, like adding to the death? What did I miss there? Well, you know how they write your birth year and, and uh, death year, and there's a dash between them? Ah, uh, I'm with you now. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I say add as many dashes into those two year dates as you can and make them as big and bold that you can. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's it, no matter what age, whatever age that you're at. Because I know I'm, I'm, what am I? I'm 62. And I know my dad currently at uh, uh, 86 is the longest living thrussel period. So this is, so I know whatever is, I got to beat his legacy. And so I need to stay healthy because every thrussel has died from a heart condition, every single one of them. So I know genetically to pay attention to my heart. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yes, yes. So if you've got any words of wisdom besides start early, what other things could a solo ager uh, look for like if you're solo aging you're probably not going to join the local meetup solo aging meetup because you're solo and you're aging <laughs> well some of those groups are starting up which is great um, sometimes they're associated with um, uh, the aging residence system that's coming along and people see the the value of that but if, if I could, I would take people over into the world of legacy. I think that there's something here about interacting with living legacy life. And if they understand that legacy is about the useful what's that you gift others so that they can learn something from your experience, the useful what's are time, effort, and money. So being able to help them understand how you've used your time, your effort, your money, like I'm a writer, so I tend to write a lot. I've, I've, what is it now? I've lived and worked on six or seven continents. I've visited 50 some countries, worked. I've got 
oodles and oodles of stacks of paper and thoughts, both curated on the on the computer and around me that I'm I'm pulling together to write a, a an autobiography memoir, uh, collecting all the slides of you know pictures I took in the Himalaya mountains right back in the 70s to whatever. Pulling He's that not together. editing himself when he says he has slides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's slides over there. I'm looking at them going, I got to process those. <laughs> right? And I have a VHS tape of the first rendition of a model I created, right? Trying to use the technology. So I've got to figure out how to get that into uh, an MP4. <laughs> So there's some things that I've got to do, but this legacy story, this uh, way of, of helping people to learn from your lived experience, I think is is an important uh, path to, to take on. Which is a solo ager. Who are you leaving the legacy for? Because as a solo ager, one is assuming you either didn't have children or your children have passed on and everybody else is either too far or whatever. Um, so this legacy, who or how are you leaving a legacy and what, who are you leaving it for? Well, the, the legacy project that you, you, you bring forward could be a memoir, could be for your friends. And I've, I've said to a couple of people now, why don't you write your memoir, bring all your ideas together and put it into the national library of your, uh, your country as a way for if someone wanted to come and learn about what it was like to live in such and such a time, they could go look up um, legacy stories, autobiographies, and put that in there. So that's what I'm going to do with mine. I'm going to get what's called an ISBN number, put it on my autobiography, and put it in the National Library uh, of Canada. That, to me, is like a child nurturing a grandchild, that, that kind of idea. Because like for where you mentioned about, you know, the family is I'm the last of my line of my lineage. Right. And when I'm, when I'm done that, if you call it bloodline, that's it. And I know that's it. <laughs> okay. And um, so what else can I do? And I've mentioned the writing. So there's around me and I'm just sort of moving things around. There's books I've written. There's books behind me that I've written that are available uh, for people to um, to read, right? So there's lots of ways in which to not necessarily think about it, uh, you know, as a person to person, but the seeding through the gifts that you have for other people to pick up. Absolutely. And if I remember the last time we had coffee, I think you were, I don't even, it was an astronomical number of books that you had written and or were in the midst of writing. What is I'm, am I making something up that it's like 80, 80 books that you've written? Am I mixing all this up? There's 40 that are written and uh, probably another 30 that in their in the midst of, of being brought together and it it varies in everything that i have done over the years from a a wilderness remote first aid safety book 
to uh, the use of journals. And I've just written a book on mentoring, right? And uh, so th these are things, these are my gifts that others can, can learn mm -hmm. from. And if I can get those out, then I have contributed. I have taken my legacy project, which is my books, through the stories I've shared into the contributions that I'm making, right? Now, another person could say, hang on a minute, I'd like to work on a water sanitation program in Kenya with women. Okay, you can create a legacy project and still have lots of time to bring that forward as well, right? I'm supporting an agroforestry program in Kenya. So, cool. yeah, so lots of different ways in which you can uh, organize this up for yourself. My my mom actually works with people at a death cafe and helps them to write their biographies. And like you were saying before, Stephen, the, the legacy, like the information that they, you know, I suppose, you know, we often forget about ourselves, don't we? You know, like, you know, I forgot what I was doing on the 14th of June. I don't know, 1997, for example, you know. I have no idea. But my friend might have remembered that day. And at these sort of meetings, you know, this this all this all this beautiful stuff comes up and it's a beautiful, heartwarming experience for everybody involved as they're either reliving their own life or or sharing stuff about other people. What I've noticed about going to funerals is that often there are a lot of stories shared. And quite often people didn't know about those things. So is what you're saying and, and, and suggesting, you know, writing about your legacy and sharing that story and doing what my mum and lots of others are doing, to, is that part of, you know, living longer and sharing and, and being your best self? And I don't know, what else are there you want to add to that? Yeah. Is that all part it, of it? Yeah, yeah it, it, it's true. It's the, because I believe that we talk about this notion of physical, mental, emotional, but there's this essence of soul and spiritual and what I call hoversical. And to be able to, yeah, there's the physical aspects of what could be there and there's the mental, emotional and the stories, but the deepening of it and being able to bring it forward, there, there's something to be said for that, right? Mm -hmm. And as an example, um, Again, I'm just using examples of myself so that people go, oh, hang on a minute, there's that one and there's that one. But I was in Iran when they took the American embassy in 1979. So I have the story of going into Iran and the story of coming out as a reminder of that time, right? And that's an interesting story that I, I share. There's also the story of the machine gun that came through the window of my vehicle by my three-minute mentor, right? And my three-minute mentor just happened to be a 14-year-old young woman. Now, oh. to your point, sir, not everyone knows about those kind of stories, right? And they're there. And each of us has something that they can bring forward. If not take the time to gather the evidence and curate it mm. and start it now. <laughs> mm. Now. 
I remember sitting around and having breakfast. I think it was breakfast with uh, Stephen. There was a group of us and how Stephen had said that one of his goals was to have said that he'd been able to teach on seven, all seven of the continents. And I heard you say six, so you've still got some work ahead of you, buddy. There's one more. And yeah. uh, he even came up with yeah. around breakfast. He was, or he was telling us he had this plan, and I'm not going to give the plan away, but he had this plan as how he was going to teach on the seven continent that he had yep. not been to. And I haven't done it yet, but it's coming. I anticipate probably 2025 is when I will go and do it because I'll be in my 72nd year of the revolution of the sun. And seven plus two is nine. So mm -hmm. one through nine. So the next year starts my one cycle again. And I thought that I'll have some fun and go and it just happens to be Antarctica is the only continent I haven't worked on or touched. And yes, to Neil's point, I have figured out a way to do it. Yeah. And I love the idea and I'm excited for you. And it's interesting. What Stephen was just talking about is numerology. And our next show, we have Vicki McKinnon on numerology showing up. So it's like, this is, this is all cool. Um, <laughs> So I also noticed that somebody, I'm going to bring Sarah, drag Sarah into this. Somebody loves Sarah's hair. Sarah <laughs> posted on Facebook that she had a horrible experience. And I'm looking and I'm going, she's patched it up really well. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate you. I um I had probably the worst haircut of my life yesterday. But you know what? I saw an apprentice. She was learning. I'm glad she was learning. I just wish she used a wig instead of my hair. But I fixed it, so it's okay. And now, in the years to come, it will be immortalized in this format for people to go. I think Sarah has a legacy story to share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there'll be a museum somewhere with this. I mean, it's already all over the internet, but yeah, why not? Let's put it in a museum too. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, on that note, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I was, I was um, listening to a podcast by Mel Robbins the other day, um, and sort of further to my point before, it was interesting. You know, she was talking about how we can. I suppose to get our brains more engaged as well, because you know, as we're using our working memory, that that's what happens, and we we remember our day better. Um, but it was more about going back through time and, and spending that time. Actually, what did I do last year? And and talking to our friends, and you know, what was I proud of, or what was that thing that I did? And often, you know, we can sort of take things for granted. And I wonder if, as a solo ager, do you miss that opportunity of of getting that feedback from others? And if not, where do you source it from? There is something there. I, I, I agree. And a couple of things that come to mind is I'm going to link it back to writing because that's what I tend to do. One of the things that I do is whenever I write an article, I start at Dear Lon. So Lon is my imaginary friend, and I write what I want to write as though I'm writing it to Lon. Okay, and then I finish it off, love Stephen, and then I reread it as though I'm reading it to Lon, and then 
when I'm done, I take those two pieces out and that's what I publish. So I have a sense of being with someone, even though they're an imaginary friend in a sense, because Lon is a character that I've, I've created, right, um, that I'm going to be using in my children's book series. So that's one way to do it is at, just bring people into your life who are even imaginary, okay? Love that. Yeah. But the so, reaching out, so reaching out to friends. Just remember, Stephen is not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because, um, well, I started off life uh, thinking that I was super turtle. I was a flying turtle. So I always had my home on my back with me no matter where I went. So I thought I'd put that <laughs> plug in too. <laughs> but the uh, the other aspect of, is reaching out to friends and acquaintances and, and setting up an opportunity to have those conversations about what happened, where did you go, what are the kind of things that um, you can share with them that brings um, that life, right? And sometimes you may touch on something, you might go, oh, hang on a minute. And you have to then remember, and I think that's where the power of a coach, so if you know someone who can coach or someone who can mentor, like when you hit some of those shadow points, have someone to talk to about it rather than going, okay, it's shadow point, I'll put it over in the closet or whatever it is. Sometimes you got to deal with it because that really helps you in moving forward, right, with your, um, with your life. So I just wanted to mention those uh, couple of examples. Does that help? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. So if you look on our screen now, you can see that... Uh, We've, we've put uh, Stephen's contact information. This is the best way to, to get a hold of Stephen is to go on to his website and fill out the contact form because he, um, as we were talking in the green room, that he loves to go for walks and he loves to, uh, to, uh, to be out in nature. So he, he can sometimes miss the things, but he does not miss the contact thing so that's what he's regularly checking so check out his website and if the, whatever he's talking about or we're talking about uh hits you and in the right spots and you want to know more about Stephen, reach out he does to him he does not bite um he might nibble but uh does not bite and he's a heart open wonderful caring person and he's a man of many 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 different talents and stories. Well, thank, thank you, Neil. I appreciate it. May I, may I ask the two of you, from a legacy point of view, where are you in your legacy story, project, contributions? Where are you both? Neil. Ladies first. No, <laughs> I can easily, I can easily go. I'm in the part where I'm, I'm sharing my writing. I love to write and I'm I'm a, a spiritual being having a human experience and I'm sharing my spiritual stories um, uh, and wanting to bring that out um, to the world that uh, that these stories come through me and I want to share these these stories that come through me and uh, share it with as many people as I can. And I've just recently taken on, um, uh, the alter ego of Nathaniel Theos, because 
I write historically in spiritual fiction, and I did not want to muddy the waters when I exited the spiritual fiction. So I chose a pseudonym of Nathaniel Theos, and uh, I just finished a, a book called An Unregistered Male, and it's uh, it's it's been a fun to write out right outside of my normal genre. So it's these are I'm um, leaving to the world, and so far, people are are liking what I've written, even if they don't. You write for yourself first, <laughs> and and Sarah, how about you? It's a great question. Thank oh, you for asking, Stephen. Yeah, absolutely agree. What a great question. I think it's something that we should all think about. So uh, asking you, the viewer, let us know in the comments what your legacy is. Um, and if you're in the middle of doing something or if you've done something, please let us know. We'd love to hear. Uh, personally, I've been involved in a lot of advocacy over the years for mental health and disabilities. Um, and one of the things that I found was an amazing tool was the, um, excuse me, <coughs> Was, was art therapy. So one of my legacies is to just talk about the value of art therapy. It's something that absolutely changed my life, but not many people are aware of at this point. It's only 100 years old. You know, Canada is actually one of the forefront leaders in the world for art therapy. Uh, in Australia, it's unusual to have an art therapist at a, at a workplace or a school, but I believe in Canada, they are everywhere, and I absolutely love that. Um, however, to, to get to your point, Stephen, I'm in the middle of creating that continual movement, you know, just talking about it, whether that be on my podcast or our podcast or on my in my content, in the middle of creating some journals to talk about art therapy as well. I believe that it's so important and it's absolutely going to change lives to be able to talk without talking, you know, a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, guys, yeah, we would absolutely love to hear what your legacy is, so please, please let us know. I'm curious, has anyone else written, like, 70 or 80 books too? Yeah. <laughs> Who else has got this kind of legacy going for them? Oh, for <laughs> sure. But isn't it great art is in heart? Right, yeah. And here, here is in heart, right? And when we start playing around with the words, because I love words, is that art is a, a form of a heart. The art, uh, the beating of the heart and the expression of it. So, bravo. I enjoy uh, hearing about that. And maybe sometime we'll uh, share something that you've done so I could uh, I could see it. So. I'd love to. Yeah, let's let's have a chat on off screen. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I think um, going forward, you know, finding what's passion, what we're passionate about. You know, whether we do it at a young age or at an older age, you know, finding that passion can really fuel our fire and can help us to create a legacy. Even maybe put us in a new path or a new legacy. Um, Neil, have you had that experience where you know you've, you've just suddenly gone on this new path? Many, many times I, I fall in love with activities all the time because um, <laughs> I, I choose to live from a place of young at heart and possibilities. It's like I, when I was young, I took up soccer, football, well, football in North America, soccer in the rest of the known world. I loved soccer. Then I played hockey. I, uh, I, uh, was in, I was a professional photographer for a while, and now my passion is writing. In 10 years from now, 
Maybe it'll be directing movies. Who knows what it'll be? Um, it's it's life. I believe life is way too short to be pigeonholed into something that you do not love. <laughs> well, there, there's some there. Uh, if I may, just there's some truth about instead of calling ourselves years old, years older is to actually call ourselves years young, years elder. And a lot of what I'm doing now actually has a lot of leaning back into my la latter part of my teen years, my early 20s. And I was at university and I had these great ideas of things that I was going to do. Yep. And... Um, I ended up doing a lot of different kinds of things, but I'm actually coming back into some of those threads are starting to come out to form strings and chords now that I am living a year's young approach. I love the word that you used, elder. I'm in a men's group and it's become apparent we have a group of elders and Part of it is we're also have a very strong Aboriginal First Nations uh, people, men in it, and their elders. So I'm really learning about eldership and the true importance of the respect and learning from the elders, other than the, the simple things of don't do that, you'll get burnt or don't do that, but the coming of the wisdom of the eldership. Yeah, there is there is the indigenous, uh, certainly, way of looking at elder, very gracious and beautiful as it is. There's some uh, institutional use of elder, right, uh, from a spiritual point of view. Um, I'm bringing it forward from the sense of the recognition of that wisdom, the the wisdom sharing that's there, the the life that you you have. Um, as I explained to some people, it's this notion of older to elder. And what I'm doing is I'm helping olders not to become putting. You've got an O and an E. Don't put the I in there and become an idler the idol, right? Yes. How do you move from older to elder without going through the idler perspective? And if we can get that and we can start um, having more people appreciate the elder, then that's great. But it doesn't mean that every older person is an elder. Correct. Because there are some younger persons who are elders. Ooh, can you dive into that a bit deeper? Well, there are younger people, and we say the old soul, and they have this wisdom and way of being, and you just know that, hang on, you've been around a little bit. You may be 14, 15, and some of the things that you're doing, there's an elder aspect to you. You have elderhood, and uh, we can celebrate it because there, as I say, the flip side, is that there's some olders who might say, well, I'm an elder now, and I'm going, I'm not quite sure you're there yet. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so yes. 
I, I like to leave it a little bit open. It, it has some breathing space that goes with it, respecting how it's being used in, in other ways, right? But um, I also know it through something like the, the apprentice, right? And the, um, the, the master architect or the mentor mentee. There are these kind of ways of, of looking at it and, and unfolding it. In Australia, recently there was an experiment uh, in an old people's home. Um, it was it was on television, and they've done a, a couple of episodes, a couple of series of it, I should say. Um, and what they did was they linked these older community with kindergartners. Yeah, I was curious because you know they both got so much out of it. You know, the, the kids learnt so many new things, and you know, empathy as as well as you know the other information that comes in. And what was really beautiful and, and heartwarming was the, the the older people who were with the kids, a lot of their health problems showed so much improvement. It was really incredible to see, you know, people who barely got out of their chairs, who, you know, were, were, were solo aging in, you know, a community of other people who rarely saw each other, you know, in a box. And suddenly, you know, they're out with kids and they literally had them go on like obstacle courses and things like that, you know, and the, the kids would help the, the older people along and vice versa. And at first, you know, they might have started out really struggling, but by the end of it, it was just like you were just like yep. looking at the screen, encouraging them. It was such a beautiful thing to witness, and I can only imagine what it would be like to experience something like that. Is this a a thing that happens in other countries, or is Australia kind of leading the way? You know, here there are other countries that are are doing it. In Scandinavia, there's some of that that's taking place. Uh, here in North America, it's starting to catch on a little bit more. If I use the word art, the art of playfulness, the art of recreation, recreation, the art of re about the creation, the creative process that you are, are sharing, Sarah, in terms of that's what's actually happening for both parties, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to see it. So uh, I think we'll see more of it as time goes by. And, uh, uh -huh. you know, young ones visiting the, the tiny home settlements right? Yeah. And doing it that way and bringing it out like um, uh, forest schools. Well, it may become uh, the uh, tiny home schools uh, mm -hmm. to interact with the elders of the community. So there's lots of ways I think it's going to unfold for us. I love what you just tied in there. And I just, so aging is going to happen. Getting old is an option because what i heard there is to recreate keep recreating get back into that playfulness and for me those from my under my observation those that still play those that dance those that still even if you're physically unable those that keep a playful mind are the ones that are um appear to be the most alive yeah and if i add to that just a little there is the currency of confidence so aging confidently if one oh, can the currency embrace, of confidence. 
Aging confidently, the currency of confidence. And you can weave that into your life. And yes, as time goes by, things are going to happen. But you can still remain relevant in your confidence, leveraging your experience. And if you can do that, solo aging, aging, just let that currency flow through you. Current Ooh. currency flow through you, right? Then you have the means to be able to exchange the currency of money, the currency of wealth that you can exchange. Yeah, there's a lot of research that's gone into the benefits of, of, of play. You know, obviously we teach our kids through play, and as adults, we've kind of forgotten about it. I feel like, and um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's almost like sometimes we have to teach uh, adults how to play again. And and when you do that, notice like the confidence, but very self-esteem goes up. You know, things like your social interaction skills. But more to the point, it gets your brain moving in in, in new ways. So again, it, it helps with you function not only in the day, but it helps you to 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 get more of those dashes that Stephen was mentioning into your life. So you experience that beautiful or longer life because you're playing. So I'm curious to know. Please drop us a comment. When was the last time you played? What did you play? It could be something really simple using your imagination, like Stephen was talking about writing to his friend, himself, you know. It could be really simple, like jumping on leaves. So what is it that you're doing to have fun, to engage, and to build this currency of, of, of confidence? Let us know. Yeah, yeah and it's... Tonight, I'm not wearing socks, so normally I wear two different colored socks, and I've been doing that for 20-some years. So in celebration, of, <laughs> in celebration of tonight, I wore my short shirt backwards just to be playful in my own mind. So it's touching me is that I wore my shirt backwards for this interview, for this oh, podcast, for this time together. <laughs> you'll remember that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so having fun, having fun. Yep. Beautiful. I went for Tina and I went out at New Year's. We went to with a friend. He rents a youth ho a hostel in the mountains, and there's a group of us, and there's a really split. There's all of us over sixty, and then there's a group under thirty, and all the ones <laughs> under thirty have young children, and everyone else, and it's just like a big, big line. And it was so much fun because we had a talent show. Somebody decided we needed a talent show. Well, one of the elders of the group decided to sing, I'm a little teapot. And it was fun, everybody. So, and then he got everybody up into it. And all the kids knew it was great to, just to play. Oh, and, and I love that. And there's stories like, you know, going to war-torn countries, like you, you hear like clown doctors and people like that who, who go to, you know, these camps where people have just exited the most hostile environments. And then they have these, these play therapists come in and it might be like, well, isn't there more, you know, other, other things to be more concerned about? But the truth of the matter is we, we all deserve to smile. We all deserve to play and to feel good. Um, so they've, they've got things like schools in these big camps to get there. You might, you know, be facing, you know, all sorts of atrocities to get there. If you make it, you know, it could be deadly for you. Um, and then they, there's this beautiful um, 
TED talk about from this clown who was visiting uh, over 150,000 kids and he was talking about the benefits of play in these beautiful spots. And it when it is joining in and it was because they played Duck, Duck, Goose, you know, <laughs> Duck, Duck, Goose kids, you know, it's something that we can all play at any age. And it's just those little things that can really spark our true sense of humanity in us. And I, I love that we can yep. share things like this. Stephen, I'm sure you've got similar examples. It's the, it's the simply serious fun. <laughs> I love it. It's, that's really what it is, is because I don't know where it is at the moment, but I sometimes I have my clown nose close and I'll go off screen on Zoom and I'll come back on with my red nose and just keep talking, right? <laughs> and then I start to see the faces just like you did, Sarah. Like they start laughing, but like for about the first nanosecond or so, <laughs> like <laughs> it doesn't matter, but again, it's just having play. Yeah. Oh, well, let us know when you put your suit on backwards and send us a photo. We'd love to see that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember in 2000, in August in 2006, I went to uh, Sri Lanka to help rebuild after the tsunami. So it's in 2004, at, this, at Christmas time, a tsunami hit most of uh, uh, Sri Lanka, India. Taiwan, all of these places. My brother-in-law is from Sri Lanka. So we went in 2006 to still rebuild the country. And we went into a school that was um, still damaged from it. And the kids were still, uh, PTSD would be the current definition of it. And I'm just like so uncomfortable. It's like, this cannot be. So I sang head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And the next thing you know, we are playing tag. It's me against 50 kids. I had, I was exhausted, but I had made 50 kids day. And it was beautiful. And my heart was bursting with pride to see 50 kids smiling. And I made 50 brand new friends. Yep. Oh, that's great. Good on you. I think there's so many things that we can do for our community, and and talking and communicating with with others is really important. I love that Stephen mentioned before that you know having a coach can help you to, to to bounce ideas off. There's a lot of different ways that we can we can help to support ourselves. Stephen, we're we're running out of time, but I'm wondering if there's anything that you'd like to leave us with. Well, there's two things, if I may, both very quick. First one, community. If you actually take a look at the word, the word is made up of common and unity. And community is about the level of commonness that unifies us together. And that's really important to, to remember, unifying us together. But I think my greatest one is when you listen, you learn. Where you share, you educate. And if you spend time with that phrasing, when you listen, you learn, where you share, you educate, that's a, every moment of every day. Oh, that's, 
Sarah, I can see I can see the wheel <laughs> just to turn in. <laughs> yeah, got back on the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love it again that we can have these conversations. So if, if this has enlightened you, if you've got questions for Stephen or you want to reach out and share us what your legacy is, please feel free to do so. The Upward Show would all love to continue to interact with you. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what a show. I would, as we wind this up, I would like to leave and start the new year off. Whatever you want out of life, be bold, be daring, and take one step towards your goal. One step. And if even the first step is, is to decide what your goal is, take it. Be bold, be daring, because many people die a death door wishing they had taken more risks don't die with that within you live your legacy go out and and truly live your life anything else you would like to add stephen put as many bold dotted dashes between your birth year and your exit year and be able to curate those stories that go with it, those extraordinary experiences. There are persons out there who would love to access those. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a little challenge out there for people who are watching you know, group find out more about other people's lives. They're often we are consumed with our own stuff, but there's so much that we can learn from others. So whether you're going to a library to, to look at something from a past generation or if you're looking to someone from today, look outside of you so that you can look in within you. And on that note, we appreciate you for joining us on Uplift. We look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Be good. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Sarah. Take care.